So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Okay, so something that you have mentioned that you're like, um, that you specialize in is play. So I'm really excited to hear about this because we have two toddlers. Well, no, he's not really a toddler anymore. Hiram, I'll just give you, um, everybody, like a background. Hiram is five. Ruth is three and Ammon is, Ammon is one. Yeah. Um, so we are in the midst of the three plays that you are ready to talk about. Risky play, messy play, outdoor play. And sometimes as a parent, that's just like, can you not? Can you not take the risks? Can you not make the messes? Let's just stay outside. <laughs> um But can you tell us why these three types of play are important and why we should be encouraging the kids to do them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me bring in the guru of my field, (laughs) um, Mr. Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) But this, this, um, this quote is perfect. I feel like for what we're talking about today, Um, there's a lot of variations, uh, There are shorter ones, Maria Montessori, but I love Mr. Rogers, so I'm going to read his quote. Um, It says, play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning, but for children, play is serious learning. Play is really the work of childhood. So (laughs) that is why play is important. This is the work that they're supposed to be doing. Um, You almost think of play as these set times when they're playing with toys and they're with friends. That is the play. But everything that a child is doing is play, really. Um, I It's kind of a pet peeve of mine when I hear people telling their children not to play with their food because <laughs> that is that's important for them to play with their food. That is a sensory, a messy play experience, a sensory experience. A lot of these foods they've never touched before. They never interacted with. They're not Mm -hmm. comfortable with these foods. They're going to play with them. This is how they (laughs) are interacting with the world around them. This is how they're understanding it. And this is how they're going to grow. So Mm -hmm. with that in mind, how, what would be the best definition in your mind of the word play? Ooh, that's a good question. That is a great question. Uh, is this a always, always is play. Always. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> um, it's like, no. Uh, yeah. I was going to say play is the work of child. Play is childhood. Um, yeah. Play is experimenting. Playing is really, uh, there are some um, theorists that talk about like um, Piaget. You may have heard that. Uh-huh. But he like yeah. that children are little scientists. The world is their science experiment. Yeah. Parents are their they're experimenting on parents. That's why <laughs> the terrible twos is so hard because you are one hundred percent just your child's science experiment. And yeah, um, and so it's any any time that they are interacting with the world and getting feedback and learning from it. That's interesting. Yeah, because when we were talking about this, I was thinking of not of PSA, but there's another. 
developmental psychologist that I like, and he frequently refers to um, refers to Piaget. And when I asked the question, like, how would you define the word play? I was thinking, how would I define it? And I and the thought I had was that like play is the scientific method in action for children. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Let's go with that. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Cool. <laughs> that's really good. Well, it just fits in what we were talking about, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Just cause it, it, it's, it's all about the hypothesis and then, it, or it's like gathering data and then making hypothesis and then testing the hypothesis and then retesting it and then like com- making conclusions and then restarting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's like, that's the whole process for, for kids. Right. So as much as parents, me, um, <laughs> as much as I don't want my kids to be risky playing, um, why is it important that our kids do experience risk? Well, let me, I, um, I have a podcast and that is actually a whole episode of the podcast. So oh, yay. Um, okay. I can't wait to you can go into one. this more depth, but let's, let me bring up my notes from that episode okay. actually. Um, cause there's a couple of different reasons. The first one that just popped into my head is the best way to keep your child safe is to let your child engage in risky play. Um, this is, exactly what Andrew was talking about earlier with, uh, with Mm. tumble play. Um, it is a safe environment for them to practice these skills. It lets them find awareness in their body. It gives them the feedback that they need to adjust and be safer. If you have a child who is never running when they run, they're probably going to trip. If you have a Mm. child who is always running probably not going to trip. <laughs> right. I was thinking like our kids, I frequently pick up our kids and throw them on the couch or throw them on the bed. And yes. so like them practicing falling from a height teaches them how to land. Yeah. Right? I was sitting in church the other day with, um, I'm in the young women program. So I was like with a bunch of these young women who are like 11 to 17 or 18 years old in the middle of class. Andrew's like relieving me, I guess, from like, um, I was really, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, we were passing the kids. Right. So Andrew, I had Ammon, our baby and Andrew's going to come take him for me. So he walks in, he grabs Ammon who's sitting on my lap. He grabs him by the foot and then just carries him out upside down. And all the <laughs> girls are like, oh, what is he doing? <laughs> but yeah, that's very much Andrew's like, let's expose them. We're making men. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, expose am, them I am raising men and then one beautiful <laughs> little little woman. Well, <laughs> who needs it as well, though? But that yeah. is one of the reasons why fathers are important is they are way more comfortable with that sort of play. They introduce the risk and children who have parents and teachers who um I have a list. I like lists. Okay. Okay. Down the no, list. Emily is very much a list person. So she is a kindred spirit and she will appreciate <laughs> yeah. the list. Okay. So, um, so actually I'm going to read this. Um, it's an excerpt from a, um, from a research article, uh, risk deprived, uh, sorry, a risk deprived child is more prone to problems such as obesity, mental health concerns, like phobias and anxiety lack of independence and a decrease in learning perception and judgment skills. So that is a huge, wow. huge list of things that if they don't have risk, 
this, this is the risk of not having risk. Is yeah. Um, but a lot of the benefits, they figure out how the world works. They figure out how their body works. It helps them develop self-confidence, um, resilience, executive functioning abilities and risk management skills. So executive functioning abilities. I love that. This is everything that you want from your child. So Mm -hmm. that breaks down into like memory. You want them to remember what you told them the first time. You don't want to have to read. (laughs) That's executive functioning. That that comes from risky play or is helped by risky play. Um, You want a child who- There you go. I'm helping our kids with their memory when I throw them on the (laughs) couch. And self-control. And um, perception of other people. They, children who engage in that, in like wrestling, rough and tumble play, they're watching faces. They can tell the moment that they've gone too far. Yeah. That, that it's gone too far. They're making sure that the other person is happy. It helps them read facial expressions better as well. Be more perceptive of other people's feelings and emotions. Um, it, um, reduces the risk of injury. It, helps them develop self-confidence, helps them moderate to know their own abilities. When I was in a forest preschool, we would let the children climb, um, climb trees, climb whatever they wanted really. Um, but the rule was that we would not help them. And, and they knew that like they could ask another child for help, but they could not ask us for help because they needed to be able to feel that in themselves. If they couldn't figure out how to go up, they wouldn't be able to figure out how to come back down. So mm-hmm. it would be so fun to look around and see every child stop at a different point in the tree. And it felt like it was almost like predetermined, like there were markers there. Uh-huh. Um, but it would, and you could, you could come back day after day and see each child go to the, the kind of the exact same point and then a little bit more and a little bit more, but you could wow. just look around. They, they, when they're practicing this, they are able to feel their comfort level more. And yeah. so that is, yeah, that's a cool one to see. That's awesome. And one thing I really, I'm sorry, I'm like jumping in and I don't have no, the same ahead. level of, of background <laughs> or expertise or background as you. Uh, but one thing I like about rough and tumble play um, or just consistent, consistent play, but especially parents or like specifically father to child rough and tumble play is that it teaches kids um to look at uh, the to value the importance of iterations of play as opposed to like just looking at one one game or one play uh, because they understand that okay like if I um, in order to in, in order to get enjoyment out of this play in the long run I need to act a certain way over every single set of games. And so like, I don't necessarily need to win every single little game um, because if I win every single little game or I'm really rude every single game, then they'll stop playing with me. And that's, I mean, that extends to other spheres, other areas of life. Like if you're rude to a coworker or to a classmate, it might be beneficial to you in that instance but over time you end up losing because of that. And so there are a ton of benefits that come from play because it's, it again, teaches you about life and prepares you for those kind of analogous situations outside of just wrestling. Right. Right. Uh, risky play, especially 
is so good at teaching about the natural consequences. Um, right. Yeah. So it gives you this bigger picture. If I do this, if I start punching in this game, I'm not going to be able to play anymore. Like it's an immediate mm-hmm. consequence. And then that goes into these longer, uh, longer term consequences. Right. And especially once you like involve other kids. So it's not just like when I'm not, not just wrestling with Hiram, but Ruth will get involved. Like Hiram quickly learned that, okay, I can punch dad a lot harder than I can punch Ruth. Because <laughs> Ruth doesn't Ruth doesn't really love the rough and tumble play nearly as much mm-hmm. as Hiram does, which I think is natural. But uh, he quickly learned that if he wants her to engage in play at all, he, he needs still to has like to be nice. he still has to be he has <laughs> well, to he, like he has moderate to his action. Yeah, he right. has to yeah. adapt to each person, and that is an important skill to learn how to interact with everybody differently. Like we think of an authentic person as someone who's always one way, but really in order to function in society, you need to be able to switch. You have, you have to have an adaptability that is often learned through play. I love that. Okay. So can we do the same thing for messy play and outdoor play? Yes. Like what are, what are like the, all the benefits? Um, Okay. Let me see if I can find my list for messy play. This might stress me out. Real a quick, bit can, can you give just a couple examples of risky play? Because I think we've talked about oh, climbing yes, trees yeah. and wrestling. Oh, but let's just give idea. a couple other little little examples. Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, I am going to talk about a couple things really quickly that are not so risky. Mm-hmm. So for a parent who is not as comfortable with risk, it's a good place to start. So okay. probably, especially for mothers, which tend to be a little more risk adverse. <laughs> yeah, well, and often when I'm doing a lot of my discussions on risky play are my field is predominantly women. So right. a lot of me is me trying to get women on board to do this. Like I, it's just as important. Men are more pre predisposed to this, more comfortable with it, probably mm-hmm. because they've been doing this since they were children. That is more of a masculine activity, you know, um, but it's just as helpful for a woman to be involved in this. Um, right. But it, yeah, it is trickier. It tends to be the moms who are like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, let's not do that. Oh, no, you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to die. Um, so <laughs> you're ways, gonna die. <laughs> ways to incorporate it without just going straight for wrestling and climbing trees and okay um easy way incorporate real items into your play so glass jars um things with real weight to them real wood pieces things uh things that they could get a splinter on um it's really small risk you know not Mm -hmm. quite as much but they could smash a finger get a splinter that sort of thing um it's a yeah that's a an easy one to do but I don't know. I, I feel like to me, it's an easy one, but I actually have a lot of people who are really concerned about that. Um, but incorpor- incorporating real tools into cooking and eating, that's on a similar strand. And this is one that I really get a lot of pushback from, <laughs> but isn't um, like, like not giving your kids like kitty forks, like the, those kind of things or. Yeah, I would, I would always, um, there's a time and place for everything, right? If your child mm-hmm. is always throwing th- things onto the floor, maybe don't give them a glass plate. Maybe start with something else to practice with. But mm-hmm. I do like, I like giving my child a, a glass plate that has real weight. I like giving him a metal spoon, a metal fork. It's 
not a huge, huge risk, but they're more likely to hurt themselves, more likely to hurt I also really like using knives. I like children using knives. Um, there's a couple of good breakdowns. Um, uh, Kids Eat in Color is an Instagram that she mm-hmm. goes into food, but she has a breakdown of knives you can use at different stages. There's a there's they're floating around the internet at different knives that you can use. Leo, he's mm-hmm. two. He has these knives that are um, that are plastic. They won't really cut you, but they cut f- food and. Mm-hmm we incorporate those a lot into making sandwiches. He can spread his own things. He cuts his own sandwiches. That's so cool. Yeah. Having them up. Heath the Night is a wonderful one that I will have him chop stuff up and cut, cook things. If you have a child who is a piggy eater, that's a great way to get them to snitch and try some things mm-hmm. they normally wouldn't do. But mm-hmm. yeah, it gives them this risk, a real consequence, um, which they don't get to interact with quite as much. Um, yeah. So real tools, uh, go outside. We're going to talk about that a little bit, more right. bit, but that automatically just introduces more risk and, mm-hmm. um, they have different boundaries, um, and flipping children upside down, going up <laughs> and downstairs, uh, have, have certain furniture that you are allowed to jump on or, you know, we have even just an extra crib mattress that we can pull around and play on, have some spaces that they're allowed to move around a little bit more and you can have boundaries. It doesn't have to be that your child has free range over your entire house and can jump on all the beds and couches Mm -hmm. and things like that, Mm -hmm. but have designated spaces that they can move in a way that their body wants to move. Wow. That's really great. That's a really good start for activities lists yeah that's great i like that a lot I'll sleep better too so <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> wear them out <laughs> cool okay well let's talk about messy play then what are some of the benefits of letting our kids get messy okay um i don't have a quite as much of a list oh yes i do yes um <laughs> okay so messy play can help them uh express and regulate their emotions this um you know going back to the Reggio Emilia approach of using art as a way to express yourself and communicate, um, that letting, letting a child do a, use art. How do I want to word this? Um, letting them art, letting them art, let them art. (laughs) Uh, but, but yeah, kind of let them actually art and mm-hmm. not have so many, um, product driven, uh, art pieces to do. You have so mm-hmm. much children, everything is product driven. Um, you have coloring books, you have, um, oh, I can't even think of anything right now. Just like now it. we're going to make this craft and this is what it's supposed to look like yeah. in the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have all the crafts crafts and coloring books. And those are, there's a time and a place for those, but let, let children have the materials and create their own piece. So they're actually involved in the process and you're actually going to come up with art Mm -hmm. that you are comfortable with putting up, hanging up in your house where I don't love 12 (laughs) hanging up in my house, but like that you do you, but (laughs) yeah. But you, they get to express them themselves. Actually, you choose different colors and choose what they want to create. 
Um, I'm just thinking of, of Hiram when we, we let our kids do watercolor every now and again. Mm -hmm. And Hiram, uh, Hiram just does like a whole page of black Black. and purple, right? Black and blue. And then Ruth's is always pink pink and purple. (laughs) 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 It's just like a big page of various hues of pink and purple or with Hiram, big page of various hues of black black. and black and blue. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and you can also be choosy. Uh, it's harder when you give them like a palette, um, mm-hmm. palette, but, um, to avoid the preschool Brown, you can put in <laughs> complementary colors, only give them certain colors to work with. Oh, that's smart. And, oh yeah. That's really smart. We that, should have a palette for the kids. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes, uh, or you can like pop them out, pop mm-hmm. out the little pieces and then kind of create your own palette. Maybe just glue it to a piece of paper or something like that. So they have yeah. them there. But then you're only offering a couple colors, which um, that is sometimes good too, you know, so they can rein it in and experience. They can feel like they're still mixing colors, but not making brown all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's cool. And that is important too for them to figure out when you mix all the colors together, you make brown. But mm-hmm. to take some of it away, like, I think this is a, a, a really subdued example of this, but a way to push a child, but still have them leading it is control what they have access to. You're still giving them this experience, but you Mm -hmm. are controlling some of the, um, the resources that they have. And so that they can experience something new. Well, I just love how similar all of everything we've talked about so far is to the way that our heavenly father interacts with us. Like, the whole plan of salvation, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, in, in life our, is a risk, <laughs> right? Like in, yes. in our in our church in our theology, um, we believe that um, before we came down to this earth, there were two plans presented. One was presented by the Savior, and one was presented by Satan. And Satan's plan was basically to remove all risk, remove uh, agency, remove agency, and the only way to remove risk is to remove agency. Yeah. And so his plan was to remove risk, remove agency, uh, and basically make us all slaves. And the Savior's plan was to allow us to take risk because he understood that only through taking risk can we um, can we really grow and can we become anything worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And so the, the Savior's plan is all about giving us increasing amount of risks. That's why he intended for us to be born into a family with a mother and a father who can incrementally incrementally give us more freedom and giving us more freedom inherently means giving us more risk uh, until we can like grow into that principle of liberty and agency. Wow. This is really cool. Yeah. And then like, the messy parallel, like life is messy and we have a bunch of, he's given us so many tools and materials and we're just like, okay, let's yeah. experiment. And it's, it's not always, it's never perfect. Right. Well, and like the idea of messy play kind of fits in with the idea of, of not being commanded in all things, mm-hmm. because if it's orderly play, there's the understanding that, okay, like there's, you do this and then you do this and you do this and there's like rules or like there's a coloring book and there are lines that I should more or less always uh, stay in. But with messy play, it's, Hey, here's a general thing we're going to be doing, but just do it to the best of your ability or do it however you want it. 
we just need to go in this general direction. And for the most, the majority of the most meaningful experiences I have with, with the father have been those kind of situations where he's given me as like a, a general mandate, but he's kind of like, let me flesh it out and work it out with him. Um, and a lot of times it's like, Hey, does this work? Like, is this, am I like breaking some kind of mandate or, or like mm-hmm. law or rule or something? And, and I just kind of get the, the spiritual equivalent of a wink and a nod. And then I just keep <laughs> going. Um, and so I, I love the parallels between the plan of salvation and what we've talked about so far. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that's, um, yeah, because everything, when you're dealing with children, all of it is, what can I do so that they can experience this, so that they can learn this? And so at some point, they don't need me anymore. That's right. that's God's plan, too. That's why we're not commanded in every little thing. That's why more and more we rely on, is this a good thing? That's Then that's the spirit instead of being guided strictly in everything. It's right. let's do good because well, he wants us to do this on our own one day. Right. And if the father who is perfect and all knowing, if he is in his perfection, looking at us and telling us, Hey, I don't want to have to tell you, I don't, I'm not going to tell you every little thing, like be it far from us as mortal parents to think that we have enough perfection and enough wisdom to be able to command our children in all things. And well, that's also a really good way to run into frustration as a parent. It's the most frustrating thing as a parent to realize that your child has agency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is such a good, a good strategy to make parenting, make working with children far more enjoyable is to acknowledge that they are their own person. They are they are learning, like there's a lot that you can learn from them as well and backing off and letting them learn and letting them make decisions. Yeah. It's it's a lot more enjoyable. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Okay. We have a few more minutes, but I want to make sure that we can cover outdoor play. And anything else you have to add about outdoor play. Passionate outdoor people. So I'm excited. We do like to be outdoors. Yeah. Okay. Oh. And this one is the one I'm the most worried because I, it's the one I could talk about for the longest amount of time. Oh no, <laughs> I should have started. With that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think that this, because really outdoor play goes into all of the rest of these subjects Yeah, into the specifics of it. Um, and I think that the play part is, yeah, it's just more important. I'll have to alter this a little bit. This is my outline for talking about the importance of being barefoot. And that's a little bit different. Um, But um, there is so much that is similar. You know, it's all about being outside. This is a good way to first, let's first talk about the spiritual. I think that the best way to get to know someone is to um, spend time with them. God made everything outside. Nature is his, his artwork, his painting. Mm-hmm. So you can go out and really be in it. That is the best way to connect to heaven. I think it's almost like being in a temple to take time to connect to the earth. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
some new science coming up. Well, I mean, there's real legitimate science that talks about the importance of you need sun, you need that to be mm-hmm. happy and for your body to function. And, um, but there's even some new science that they're looking into that there are a lot of good benefits from grounding. I don't know if you've kind of have heard that and the earthing taking time mm-hmm. to connect with the earth and have, um, have, um, uh, free radicals kind of go back into the earth and that sort of stuff they're looking into more. Um, but whether or not you, you agree with that, you can just go spend some time outside and it is, it helps you be mindful. It helps with meditation. Um, and it helps you reconnect to heavenly father in a different yeah. way. You can anywhere else except for maybe the temple. Well, definitely the temple, but <laughs> yeah, but maybe even a different way. Yes, right. A different way. Yeah. Like, and, and maybe in, in a unique and a uniquely important way, because I think about, um, when I, when I go to the temple, if, if we look at our, our beings or our, yeah, our essence is being dual in nature. So we have our spiritual self and we have our spirit and then we have our physical body. Uh, and both of those are equally part of us. Right. And this is something unique, I guess, to Latter-day Saint doctrine, uh, but we believe that the spirit is is part of us and our body is part of us and they're both equally important. Like one is not uh, inherently superior to the other. One is made of fallen matter and one is not. And so there's some uh, fighting that goes on there. But uh, when I go to the temple, I feel like I am being grounded spiritually. Uh, but when I go outside and I I'm not just walking outside, but when I do things like when I get in the back country where there's nobody or when I'm, when I'm gardening or, and I'm like trying to pay special attention to like, we have a grapevine right now in our backyard that I love to like tracking the progress. Yeah. Track the progress and like go through and like help weave its individual little branches and, and just like really connecting back to the physical aspect of our existence, I feel like I ground my physical, I'm grounded, I'm being grounded physically. Mm -hmm. And so I think both are vitally important and they're different. I love that. I, yeah. Again, I don't talk to many (laughs) members of the church about this or in a gospel topic all that often, but I've never thought about that. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good I, I haven't had that thought before until like right now, but I really like that. I'll think about that more. I love the podcast because of that. It like yeah, makes we, you think of new ideas right on the spot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I love that. But okay. Well, is there anything else you want to add to outdoor play? I know that was kind of quick. I should have ended with the spiritual part. Now everything else is just like, uh, yeah, it also helps with a really a lot with. It's okay. We can, we already have things to like adjust. So if you want, you can just go to that real quick and we can. And we can flip it around. Swap it. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll just run through this pretty quickly then, but. Okay. Just, um, you experience so much with balance, um, especially in this context of early childhood, children develop different skills when they're outside. So, um, my husband, uh, is involved with physical therapy and they have kind of this test that 
someone is not cleared to go unless they can walk on all surfaces. And Mm -hmm. I see that with children all the time. You uh, working with more with infants and toddlers, you have a, a baby that can walk inside really confidently. Then you put them outside on the grass. And they're like, can... what is this black magic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> green magic. <laughs> oh, green magic. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, but yeah, it's a totally different texture. You have the different, um, uh, you have more variation. It's not just this flat, even surface. And so it tests their physical abilities way more than inside does. And it's a lot more sporadic. So you have all of this gross motor abilities. And they, then they also have more space to just run and jump and do those things that children need to do that are harder to do inside. Um, Mm -hmm. but then you also get so many fine motor skills when you let a child be inside. Um, there is so much you can do to promote, uh, pre-writing skills when you are outside one, you need good trunk, trunk support. If you're going to write your name on a piece of paper, before you start with, before you get into the fine motor skills of writing your name, you have to be sitting up, holding your body and not be distracted by that in order to focus on what you're doing, the mm-hmm. small movements that you're doing. So that is important in and of itself, but then I'm like adjusting my own posture now, like, <laughs> 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 um, but then you get into the fine motor skills that it's a lot of the same, same muscles that you're using to throw a ball are also ones that you're going to use to move your arm out of the way as you're writing. Um, let your children play with insects. I know this is also a hard, harder one for the moms. Um, (laughs) but think about that, that, that pincer grasp, that, that little movement to pick up an insect without crushing its little fragile body especially spiders. That's a really hard one. That's a hard one for dads a lot too, but seeing little children who pick up spiders, it's the coolest thing to watch because that, that movement and that control, that's a big deal. And that is going to make holding a pencil a breeze. That control. Yeah. I haven't thought about, when we were talking about, I was thinking about frogs and lizards and those kind of things but but like something small that makes total sense it's the same hand like position it's it's the same muscles that you're using it's the same abilities and so that's another example of this is a skill that they have to learn they need to learn how to hold a pencil the right way and write their names and those children that you see picking up insects are often the ones that you're not going to have to work with on how, you know, you see a bunch of different, um, grass, pencil grass, grasps, and you have to work with children on holding it the right way. Mm -hmm. Often you're not going to, not always, but often if you have a child that can super carefully pick up a roly poly (laughs) child is going to be able to hold a pencil the correct way. That's so cool. Not to mention if you don't have a kid who is playing with animals, you're never going to have like your to kill a mockingbird moment. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Cause I've never read the book. You need to read that book. That I was know. a good book. <laughs> Everyone says that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and okay. it teaches them to respect God's creations a lot more. Too. Oh yeah. They're actually into, uh, involved in, you know, they're actually experiencing that world. There's a mm. lot you can learn from empathy and things too. If you can 
if you can empathize with a with a caterpillar, you're probably also going going to be able to have empathy for another human being. Right. So there's important mm-hmm. social skills uh, and emotional skills to be learned mm-hmm. outside as well. well. And mm-hmm. it's so much, and this may be this might be a little bit outside the realm of this conversation or or this topic, but it's so much harder to develop wonder inside. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, and wonder is so easy to find outdoors just because it's so vast and it's so ever changing. And so there's so many little things you can get into, right? Like, even if it's not the big grand things like climbing mountains and going through canyons, it's like exploring and looking for different types of dragonflies, which is a very favorite pastime in, mm-hmm. in our home. Um, and so there's an infinite amount of ways to, to wonder out outside. It's much more difficult inside. Yeah, you're right. I'd agree. That's um, I've never worked with a completely child-led emergent curriculum inside. That is so much harder to do if you just have a room with nothing in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to have a plan, but you can go outside in nature and the children will lesson plan for you. So Yeah, that's really cool. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Lucy, our last question for you is what are you doing in your family or in your home right now to make it more of an outpost of heaven? Mm. Um trying to think of anything that adds on to this. Um, okay. So it doesn't have to be related at all. It really doesn't. <laughs> okay. Well, this is something that we're doing. We're kind of a yoga family anyways. And I just um, interviewed somebody uh, for my podcast uh, about um, integrating yoga with children. And she talked about breathing and doing that as a family. And so we've been before family prayer. We take a minute to test our heartbeat. and than to do deep belly breathing. Um, and maybe this is kind of a silly one, but, um, but before we say our prayer and Mm -hmm. I love it so much because so often, especially as a member of the church, who's grown up in the church, you say the same prayers every day and it's uh, (laughs) a check mark. This is a thing we can do. Now we can eat dinner. Okay. We said our prayer. Now we can go to bed, but to have this moment of really being mindful and preparing ourselves before we address the Lord. It's been, yeah, it's, that's really it's cool. Yeah. Little awesome. thing, but yeah. really a spiritual thing. So well, I love that so much. I can totally see my kids like, like, okay, family prayer. And then they're like, Oh my. And then they're like trying to stay still, but can't yeah. during right. the prayer. And- but if they're like given like, 60 seconds or 30 seconds of just like, Hey, everyone just be quiet and yeah. breathe for a minute. But, and then we're going to, and we do prayer. that when they're having a hard time, like when they're, yeah. when they're having but tension, when they're screaming or they're so... fitting, we like make say, okay, you can't get out of timeout until you can take a few deep breaths mm-hmm. and then talk to me normally. Um, and then the, just those few concentrated breaths usually has the power to, to calm them down. So if we can do that before prayers, that's well, really well. And I love that too. Um, and this is one thing I talked about with her is that it's really hard as adults. This is a hard thing to calm yourself down when you are emotionally charged in a negative way. Um, mm-hmm. but when you have this as part of your system, if you're doing this in a happy 
safe setting. And often, you know, often right before prayer, it's just, it's a winding down of, we just play, like, we just wrestled with dad for a little while and now it's mm-hmm. hard to, to bring it back down. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, like Leo is not often in his room because I'm not in his room. I'm downstairs. So he's with me. So when we go upstairs, it's all these, all these different things that he has not played with all day. And it's, so he is excited but it's in this positive way. So to have it as part of you, your routine, then when they're in a, an emotionally heightened state, when they're upset, they already have the skill. So you're not teaching them when they're angry and their, their minds are closed. Their brain is not open to learning something mm-hmm. new. It's you're teaching them in the setting that they really can learn. And so it's just super seamless when they are having a negative response. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm rambling, but yeah. No, but I love no, it. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right, hun, take away. Okay. Oh my gosh, all everything. Everything. <laughs> there is no one takeaway. Okay, I'll give my takeaway. You think of one. Okay. One. Okay. Okay. Um, I love so many things we talked about. One of the things that stood out to me was the uh, the benefit of outdoor play being right, having that be part of right, grounding you. Being grounded is like our personal family philosophy. It's the best word we can think being of. Is yeah, what being rooted it. Yeah, being rooted. Um, and I, I love this idea that we had that uh, outdoor, right? Being outdoors helps you root or ground your um, the physical essence of your identity. And then going to holy places helps root your spiritual identity and there's obviously some crossover right it's not like there is one's entirely one not the other it's all connected but right right Mm -hmm. uh and i just i think that's really cool i think there's probably some really cool applications in there that i need to think about yeah um okay so my takeaway then is going to be that their childhood their play is more important then my control, <laughs> my wanting them to like stop making messes and oh my gosh, be careful, you're gonna die. Um, to just realize that every situation is a natural learning, playful situation. It's okay for messes to happen. Yeah. So that's what I need to learn. And so. it, it also doesn't mean that you have to like surrender. Oh, yeah, there can still be boundaries and rules. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. still have boundaries and rules. Like, yeah. that's, that's important, but right. right. And that's like part of the play is to help them learn where rules right, and right. boundaries are so that they yeah. can then you know extrapolate and apply that to their areas of life yeah. well, and all right I lucy can, I, oh sorry oh, no. you had you had oh. <laughs> um i feel like it's also just putting things in the correct order too when you have that that respect and that you're valuing that play then it's easier to figure out the boundaries and um yeah it's easier to to proceed from there, you probably will not make tons of changes, but it will just feel different. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Funny. So you have a podcast. Tell yeah. us about your podcast and where people can listen to you and how to find you on Instagram and all those things. Okay. Um, so my podcast is called the speckled bees, a celebration of childhood. Um, a colleague and friend of mine, Spencer Haday, um, we discuss, kind of this stuff we talk about child development and education and how adult adults can really be supporting children in learning and growth um that this will come out in the future so hopefully it will be uh 
be available and uh, on pretty much every platform, but um, iTunes is giving us a hard time right now. So um, <laughs> it's on Spotify, it's on uh, Google Play, and it's on Stitcher. Um, and we have an Instagram, uh, the Speckled Bees. And my Instagram is Miss Lucy Plays. I have not been posting quite as much. Um, when I moved to full time, I didn't get to do quite as much parent education and song Saturdays, but hopefully, mm-hmm. um, hopefully in the next little while, I'll be able to start yeah. doing more on that as well. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for, for talking to us. I know this probably turned into longer than you were expecting. I, I think the conversation was great. It was so great. I didn't I even realize it. how quickly the time went by. I loved it. So thank <laughs> you so much. About this for so many hours. So if you ever need, <laughs> that's why you have a podcast <laughs> for two more hours. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would actually, I would love to get to bring you on later. I think one, one thing we like to do is have guests come on and kind of just shotgun their expertise. And then if we find that our listeners are really interested in, in like a specific aspect, come we'll back in back. And, and do a deep dive on, on one specific aspect. So I anticipate that happening with, with you. Cause I think this is a super interesting topic. Uh, one last question. Are there any good books on the Reggio Emilia? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, on um, that approach because it sounds super interesting and i would love to to learn more and i feel like it's it's pretty extensive from what we were to saying yeah um i'd start with google <laughs> you'll google. find a lot of things pretty quickly um a really good research resource is um wikipedia very- i'm sure <laughs> yeah uh, I'm, I'm sure you can find a lot about weird things too um but, you, know, you know check your sources um but fairy dust teaching she does a lot of um, a lot of the things you have to pay for it, which is where she is providing information mm-hmm. right. um, courses. But uh, she does you can um, access some of her stuff for free, uh, and she she's amazing. She teaches like whole summits on this and everything. Um, and um, uh, that is a great question on specific sources i might have to get back to you and yeah well, that's fine yeah give us a list and we'll put the list in the show notes yeah, yeah. So, and that fine. is actually in the works in the future probably after this podcast or this mm-hmm. come out but i am also working with someone to um do more instructional videos on reggio amelia teaching because it is it's it's actually kind of a hard one to find a resource for because reggio amelia in reggio amelia Italy, um, they kind of have a closed bottle, um, because they want to protect their, ch- the children who go to uh, go there and the family mm-hmm. are yeah. not quite so open, but so there are some good resources, but you have to, you have to look for them. So, to, well, I, okay. I'd be really excited to, to read more about it. Cause I, I really like the, I really like philosophy and kind of the esoteric aspects of all these things. And so I would, I would love to deep dive in that. Um, again, thank you so much. If you are listening and you have enjoyed this episode or you're enjoying the podcast, please do the, do the good thing, do the kind thing. And take le- the 30 seconds and, and leave us a rating and review. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully less than 30 seconds. It could be quick. Unless you want to write a really long, amazingly kind review then feel free to do that too that's cool you know you be you though Uh, we we love you so much we thank you for taking the time out we're 
praying that you are, you know, enjoying this fun roller coaster that's life and and making your your home and outpost of heaven. It's worth it. Okay, keep the faith. Bye.